Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. Uh, And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing uh, happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Rightly and correctly assessing what the Bible informs us of concerning the old man uh, is absolutely essential, saints. Nothing good exists in us except Christ and his perfect righteousness. God has made him to be sin or the sin sacrifice for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are only in the righteousness of Christ, or it's in us and dawns us as we are in Christ. Amen. Not only having been born again initially, but presently abiding in Christ. That would mean Uh, walking with him worshipfully, faithfully, and obediently on his stated terms, something that is very rare among those who profess to be Christians today. They, most of them, do not know the stated terms of Christ because, regrettably, they listen more to their pastors than they do read the Bible, the King James Bible, for themselves The great apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 7, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Notice, no good thing, nothing. That is, notice, for I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform it, Perform that which is good, I find not. Notice, no good thing, he said, dwells in him. In fact, just down from there in verse 24, he says, O wretched man, that I am, not just that I was, but that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You see, friends, the only righteousness that we have is that which our Lord Jesus lovingly, mercifully graciously provided for us by his one-time precious blood sacrifice that he paid on the cross in full, the exclusive redemption price which alone could and did satisfy the claims of the Father's justice to redeem fallen mankind back to himself. Amen. And the One of the keys that we have to remember, and so many people stop at the sacrifice of Christ and they ignore what Christ himself said concerning appropriating his grace. God requires that we walk by faith and not by sight. And that faith has to be saving faith, which is clearly defined in Scripture as that which will always produce the fruit of good works. Amen. It's not just some mental assent. It's a faith uh, that is a blessing that brings the blessing of God who rewards those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Saving faith is always resident and only resident in those who diligently seek the faith face of God. And that's continually First Chronicles 16, 11. Now, some people don't like that because they don't want anything to do with their salvation. They don't want a relationship. And if all you have, if you don't have a relationship, if you don't view God uh, for what he stated concern, concerning you knowing him, that is having a relationship with him, all you have is dead religion. That's all you have. 
John 17, 3, this is life eternal. Here it is. The whole reason for eternal life, the whole reason why the Father sent his only begotten Son is that we might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. If you uh, uh, are put off by any mention, a biblical mention, uh, the truth that God requires that you be engaged in a personal relationship with him, which will always involve you obeying him, uh, then you need to get saved because you're not even saved. See, so many people today who claim to be Christians hide behind their little once saved, always saved, so-called eternal security fairy tale. And and these people, you want to see some demons manifested? Start preaching about what real faith looks like instead of uh, demonic faith, the faith that devils have. They believe in God and tremble. They're not saved. James 2.19, he also said right in that passage, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Works do not save, but they're always going to be the cardinal fruit. Good, good works are going to be the cardinal fruit of somebody who's truly born again. Romans 7.17 uh, Paul speaks of at the end of that verse, sin that dwelleth in me. Notice sin that dwelleth in me. There's an inherent fallen nature in us. There is no good thing in us except Christ. This is God's pronouncement upon fallen mankind, upon sinful man, Romans 7. The Lord requires that we agree with this declaration of our own inability Uh that is, of fallen man, to be anything but deceitful above, above all things and desperately wicked, that is, our hearts, Jeremiah seventeen nine. Hence, we need the cross, the blood of Christ's cross, uh, the redeeming, propitiatory blood of his cross, and also to be raised up by him out of the crucified life. See, there's two main parts of the cross, components, Christ's perfect sacrifice on the cross, the blood of his cross, Colossians 1.20, and also that cross that he commanded us to take up, that is, if we're going to follow him, otherwise we don't know him, and we're not following him, and since he's the only way to the Father in heaven, we're not going to be there. But you see, 99% of the little bit of the cross that you hear preached today only deals with the propitiatory cross of Christ when he died on the cross. Uh, And they use that as an excuse, basically, to not do anything else. And yet this same Savior who died on the cross said that if you're going to follow him, you must take up your cross daily uh, and follow him. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. His apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Jesus' apostle Paul also said, You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3. He also said, and it's recorded in Galatians 5.24, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. I want to encourage you to mark and write all each of these cross scriptures on an index card. Notice Galatians 5.24. This is a very uh, alarming verse, and it should be, they that are Christ. How do we know who, who is of Christ, who's Christ's child truly among the many that profess him? Here it is. They that are Christ have, they've decided their life's over. Uh, They're no longer their own. They're bought with the price of Christ's blood. They are a new creature in Christ, and they live as his ambassador, his kingdom ambassador. Notice, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. You know, the longer we walk with Christ, the closer we walk with the Lord, the greater the realization we are going to be possessed with of our own utter depravity outside of Christ, and hence the need for the crucified life, 
those who don't recognize their own depravity, as we began to touch on earlier, prove they are not truly close to God at all. Why? Because God is holy, holy, holy. And all who draw nigh or near to him will be made aware of their own utter iniquitous nature. If you presently view God as anything other than, first and foremost, holy, 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 you are going to be working on a wrong level, my friend. You are utterly deceived, actually, and not realizing your own need to humble yourself before him, to be truly crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. This is exactly why so many listen to false preachers uh, as they preach a false gospel, another gospel, Galatians 1. They are not aware of their own depravity. No, instead, the false teachers build them up in their pride and in their wickedness and cause them to be self-righteous. They affirm them in the state of sinful self. They, by, by the mere absence of preaching the cross, the crucified life, they are affirming them in, in their state of sinfulness. In fact, you, you many times hear them talk about learning to love yourself. That's no, nowhere in the Bible. In fact, it's the antithesis of the Bible message that you must deny yourself, not, not love yourself. That your love for self is never, it's innate and it's never going to go away. That's your biggest problem. That's my biggest problem. We must deny ourselves, Jesus said, take up our cross and follow him. Never to love yourself. The scripture never talks about loving yourself as far as, especially in, 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 in the sense of being an instruction of God. No, that's our biggest problem. Self must be crucified and denied so that God, we must honor and love God and others above ourselves. Philippians 2, that's the mind of Christ. So these false teachers affirm people in their state, uh, their sinful state. They preach affirmation without regeneration. False prophets are known by the reality that they tickle ears. They don't preach the holiness of God. Uh, the essential of repentance and overcoming all sin through the crucified life, the Savior and his apostles, uh, his holy apostles, uh, commanded. That's what they taught. It's the apostolic doctrine. Remember, Jesus said to cut off your hand and pluck out your eye. First of all, Jesus commanded that we repent. Absolutely repent, except you repent. You shall all likewise perish. We know that repentance was the first word of the gospel out of John the Baptist's mouth, out of Jesus's mouth, and out of Peter the apostle's mouth. That's where salvation is uh, initially uh, instituted or received into the life of the individual when he repents or turns all the way to God, which in means he's turning from his own life in his own way and putting his faith in Christ, repentance toward God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 20, verse 21. But Jesus says, after he commanded that we repent, uh, that we're to cut off the hand and pluck out the eye. We're to deal severely with sin, lest our whole body, when we die, whether it be at his coming or otherwise, the end of our life on this, on this earth, Unless uh, we be cast into the hellfire, uh, where the fire will not be quenched, uh, neither will our worm die. Our worm dieth not. That means our consciousness in that tormenting fire will never cease. That's Mark 9, beginning in verse 43 through 50 in the King James Bible, because the new versions have, uh, in one to one extent or another, butchered that passage as Satan would have it. So Jesus taught repentance, so did his, his apostles, and also the crucified life, because, you see, God is holy, 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 and that's not going to change. And he commanded you to be holy as he's holy. In fact, Paul said Jesus is coming back for a church that's uh, holy and without spot or blemish. End of Ephesians 5. Amen. Hebrews twelve fourteen. Follow peace with all, all men and holiness without which no man 
shall see the Lord. Let me say this, friends. If you're listening to a man, somebody pointed out T.D. Jakes recently and how he never preaches on repentance and sin and overcoming sin. And this man can run his mouth like most modern pastors, especially nearly all, if not all of the popular ones. They can run their mouth for a long time. And it can sound real good, but if you, my friend, are not grounded in the Word of God yourself, you're not going to know what the Word of God states. You're not going to know uh, that God aggrandizes that you, first of all, repent. You're a sinner. Admit you're a sinner and that you have sinned against His holy law and against Him who is holy, holy, holy. And uh, that He's called you to walk the crucified life. Repent and be holy as he is holy. Overcome all sin, no matter what it takes. Fasting and prayer, the cross. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Amen. And he will give you the victory over all that sin. But God is holy, holy, holy. And there will be no sinners that enter into the kingdom of heaven. Those who believe that somehow because they were initially saved, that they're automatically and arbitrarily and without any involvement of their own, holy in the eyes of God forever, have been absolutely deceived by a false gospel. And this they do willingly because they have a Bible and God expects them to study and know what he said. But yet they would rather take the easy road out, easy now and forever hard because they're going to hell and listen to their pastors and the the mainline message, the false grace message that Jude prophesied of the evangelical church, where you got men that are turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness or a license for sin by their false teaching about the grace of God. God's grace does not give you a license for sin. It gives you the absolute divine power over sin. If, and if you don't have that, you don't have the saving grace of Christ and you've been misled and God's calling you to repent. Titus 2, 11 and 12 is something that these uh, false grace teachers will never mention. Notice Paul, the real grace teacher of Christ said this, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Notice you can't be saved outside of the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith and that's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. And then he says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So anybody saved by grace is going to have good works as a fruit uh, of that saving grace. Notice here for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. What does the grace of God teach us? Uh, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Notice, in this present world. So anybody who's saved by the grace of God truly is learning to do what? Deny ungodliness and worldly lust. They don't lust after the things of this world. They're living for Jesus and the next world with him. They live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Otherwise, they will not. They are not saved by the grace of God, and they will not be in uh, with him in the next world. Amen. This speaks of the present world. This speaks of how we know if you're saved by grace, you're learning to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. You're living soberly, righteously, and godly now. In this present world, looking, notice verse 13, Titus 2, looking for that, they live looking for the blessed hope. They're looking, they're looking for Jesus, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice this. See, they live, those that are saved by the grace of God, and this limits, uh, this gives us a glimpse of the small percentage of those uh, today who, profess to know God. There's a large percentage of people who profess to be saved. But uh, this gives us a glimpse into just how many people think they, they're saved and aren't. Jesus said there would be many who said unto him in that day, Lord, Lord. But he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. They're going to hell. 
in Matthew 7, Matthew 25, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Uh, one man once said, the difference between the sheep and the goats is what they did and what they did not do. The true saving grace of God looks like this in our lives. We live denying ungodliness and worldly love. We don't lust and covet the things of this world. We live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We're looking for the blessed hope that is the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what did he do? He gave himself for us. Why? That he might, verse 14, that he might redeem us from all, all, all iniquity and purify it to himself a peculiar, a, a special people zealous of good works. Amen. Jesus came to save you from all iniquity. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, that your pastor isn't telling you that in most cases. Now, I, let me stop here to say this. I know there are God is raising up some godly men that are preaching repentance and holiness, uh, and and that the daily cross that's the only way to holiness. You see, holiness is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. And when you follow Jesus, you're going to obey Him. You're going to say, Lord, you told me that I must declare with John the Baptist that you must increase and I must decrease that I must overcome. He told all seven churches, churches of Revelation 2 and 3, that only those who overcame were going to be with him. Jesus told his own disciples that they must endure to the end to be saved. And how are they going to do that? Through the cross he prescribed that we take up. And as we deny ourselves uh, in following him, we deny ourselves. We take up our cross daily and we follow Christ. That's the only way to be following Christ and to be set apart unto him, set apart from sin and living in sin and walking holy as he is holy. And that's an absolute cardinal characteristic of all who know God and are presently ready to meet the Lord. Again, Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. So, Notice Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that you put off concerning the form of conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, there, again, there's another testimony, another scripture from God about the corrupt uh, old man. We're to put off concerning the former conversation or way of life, the old man which is corrupt. What is the old man? It's corrupt according to deceitful lust. Uh, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man. Notice the old man and the new man as we're crucified with Christ. The old man is crucified and the new man is the resurrected man created in the image of God in Christ, conformed to the image of Christ and that you put off Excuse me, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. It's Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You know, each of God's children bought by his blood merely stand as unworthy beggars, shoulder to shoulder together in honor of our holy King Jesus. Genesis 32, 10. Jacob declared, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. And you know, the recognition of this old man, the Bible speaks of here in Ephesians 4 and also Colossians 3, that we're to put off by the cross. The only way to put off the old man and to be raised up in the new man with Christ is the crucified life. It doesn't matter, beloved friends, who is or who is not preaching this original gospel imperative of the daily cross, the crucified life. It's still the original gospel, and God holds you, my friend, fully accountable to know it and to live it. 
Amen. The recognition of the old man, that inherent nature of iniquity, uh, Romans 7, is the reason for the crucifixion. That's why we need the cross, the crucified life. The old man must die, uh, must be dead and buried daily, uh, and God will raise him up as he promises. And by the way, there are no shortcuts. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 10 through 12. Always, notice, always, there it is, always, perpetually, daily, Jesus said, right? Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus said, you got to deny himself, deny yourself, I'm sorry. Take up your cross daily if you're going to follow him. And Paul says that here, he goes, always, always, perpetually, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, and here's why, that the life, there's a resurrection, also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So we see the death, burial, and resurrection in each of these three verses in this passage. Right here in verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying, there's the death of the Lord Jesus. That's the death and burial. That the life also of Jesus, there's the resurrection might be made manifest in our body. Is the life of Christ manifesting in your daily life? Man, that's God's will, to manifest his glory in your life. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus said, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And that comes out of the crucified life. Everything in the kingdom of Christ is going to come out of the crucified life. There are no shortcuts, friend. There are no shortcuts. And the very thing that perhaps someone listening has been evading is the very thing that God is calling you to do, and that's to die. And it's only when you say, you throw your hands and heart up and surrender and say, Lord, I'm no longer going to do it my way. From this moment forward, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, not me, but you, Jesus. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself more for me. Lord, I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to stop leaning to my own understanding and being wise in my own conceit. I'm going to trust in you, Lord, by simply obeying you and surrendering afresh to you, Lord Jesus. I cry out with John the Baptist, Lord, that you must increase, but I must decrease. 2 Corinthians 4.11, the next, the second of these three verses, Paul writes, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. There's the death and burial. That, notice, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Now, if you've been going through a season of testing and trials and loss and perhaps something you counted as defeat, you might want to take heed here to the word, the Holy Spirit-inspired words of Paul. You, you have been delivered in this time of the season of testing and trial uh, and affliction. You've been delivered and allowed to be in this season uh, that there might be a death in your life, a death to self, a deeper death to self. And so that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That's why the old folks used to say, and we should also say, uh, that I wouldn't give nothing for my journey. In other words, I wouldn't change the past and all of the hardships I suffered for anything. There's no amount of money you can pay me to go back and change that because what God taught me in that period is absolutely priceless. In fact, the apostle Peter tells us that there are things that we learn as we go through seasons of sufferings that uh, are otherwise uh, not something that would happen in our lives. So we should count it all joy, as James said, when we fall into diverse or different kinds of various temptations or trials, knowing this, that the tri trying of our faith worketh patience. And he said, but we're to let patience have her perfect work. Amen. Perfect work that we may be found wanting or lacking nothing. Amen. God has a reason. He's working all these things together for the good that we're going through, that we might be conform conformed to the image of Christ. Romans 
8, 28, and 29. Peter said this in 1 Peter 5, 10, but the God of all grace. Notice God is the God of all grace. Aren't you glad? And what is grace? Grace is the divine influence of God on our hearts. And it's also the divine enablement of God that we might be enabled by him through the crucified life to accomplish everything that he has spoken, including living holy as he is holy. Amen. You're not able and neither am I. But as we're crucified with Christ, we're liquidated and we're dead and buried, if you will, and that old man and we're raised up by Christ. But that's how God works. He doesn't work outside of the economy of the cross. And so if you're serious about God and you're going to be sincere and honest, you're going to learn right here in these scriptures and today listening to this message that it's time for you to come, have a come to Jesus meeting. As I spoke about earlier, to throw your hands up afresh and say, Lord, I want to be set apart unto thee. I want to be crucified with Christ from this day, this moment forward. I want to be dead and buried so that you are raising me up in your glory, in your grace, in your divine power to be used of you, Lord, to overcome all that uh, is a violation of your holiness, Lord, to be made holy as you're holy. I know that only you can do it, Lord. And I'll let go right now and I'll let God. You know, recently I heard that some lady was persecuting me for preaching repentance. <laughs> I mean, is that even worth <laughs> defending? You you have no clue about biblical truth if you don't believe in repentance, okay? And uh, But repentance, she viewed that as a work. Repentance is not a work of the flesh. It's a surrender. Amen. It's simply a letting go and letting God, Lord, I just turn to you, man. I can't do this. And perhaps somebody listening to me has a sin in their life that they can't seem to overcome. Well, there, there you go. It's time to surrender. The cross is a surrender to Christ. It's not a trying to earn your way and merit your way. That's the problem. That's why people aren't able to overcome sin, because they're really not letting go and letting God say, Lord, this this violates your word. I can't lie to myself anymore. I, I'm a fornicator. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. Or I, I, I'm full of hatred. I, 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 I'm not forgiving everyone freely as you forgave me. Me and my answer, you know, unmerited. I don't merit your forgiveness and mercy, but you showed it to me through the cross, through your cross. And, and yet I'm not forgiving others. So I'm in sin, Lord. You got to get honest, folks. And when you look, begin to look at the word of God and say, you know what? I've been doing such and such a sin. 17 soul damning sins, by, by the way, are specifically listed in uh, Galatians 5. I want you to read that chapter, Galatians chapter 5. And if you read in there and you're doing any of those, you can know that you're in big trouble. You can also know that God has the answer, the solution to cause you to walk in absolute victory. Amen. And to have an inner, have a, a life of continual praise to him and continual victory. Amen. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he talking about? That? He's talking about in that chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In fact, that's the end of the chapter. And he began the chapter by telling us what the gospel is, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is teaching in the cross, that this, <clears throat> this gospel, which he was performing as he spoke these words, and as he was getting ready to die, be buried, and raised again, is to be reenacted in our lives every day, where we're dead and buried and raised up by Christ. That's what water baptism represents. That's what it symbolizes. You're going down under. Uh, you're dead and buried, and Christ is raising you up. That's what God wanted to happen when we first got saved and got water baptized is that we would be introduced to the cross life that we can walk out and have the victory in every single day. So you should check yourself today and go, am I crucified with Christ today? Am I learning this cross? You know, I had a good friend of mine, brother Billy, one day he invited me to a barbecue and I got there and he was already there. And this is the most sociable human being I've ever met. Okay. And let me tell you, if you know me, I'm pretty sociable. You put me in a room of, of people, 
I'm going to be shaking some hands and getting to know people. But this guy is the most sociable guy I've ever seen. And there he is sitting on the couch. I was thinking when I walked in, wow, this is odd. And he, he, I went over and sat down with him. This is the happiest person I've ever met, by the way. Uh, love this brother. He's precious. And, but he had been listening to the message of the cross. And I sat down next to him. I said, what's going on, brother? He goes, Todd, tell me what the cross is. I, this, this had to be God. I mean, this, that was, you know, 30 other people. There's all these Louisiana folk too, you know, <laughs> and you know, we're sociable. Okay. They got the crawfish going. They got the gumbo going, everything. And he's sitting on the couch by himself. Why God was working on him. And let me tell you, if God's working in your life, it's known that he's trying to get you to recognize your need to live the crucified life. That's the answer to everything that ails you, friend. Jesus Christ is the answer. And he died on that cross to separate you from sin so that sin doesn't separate you from God who is holy, 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 and to teach you to stay in that place by walking out the cross. That's how you walk in the spirit with him. That's how you walk in the light. That's all biblical instructions as he is in the light, through the crucified life. Otherwise, sin is going to continue to drag you down. You don't have any power over sin outside of that which Christ is granting you through the crucified life. That's why you've not been able to overcome sin right there, friend. Not because you, you're not trying hard enough or anything like that. It's because you're not crucified with Christ. But you can be starting today. You can learn that cross. And like Brother Billy, you can say, Lord, what is the cross? What is it? Well, people ask me that as Brother Billy did. We got two book, three books on that uh, subject, by the way, in the library, and it's only for the reason of helping you learn to do and walk in where God, the victory that God has called you to. You know, some people get upset. Y'all are selling books, yeah, right. First of all, we got to buy every book that we sell. Second of all, we probably spend more money putting these books in the hands of prisoners all over the country every week that we're mailing. So. If, if that makes you feel any better that the ministry isn't making money on books, well, there you go. You can feel better about that. Okay? <laughs> anyway, that's ridiculous. Uh, once in a while, you get somebody getting mad at that. Anyway, these three books the on the cross are called uh, I Die Daily. That's a verse in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Also, Raised Up. That's resurrection term all over the Bible. And number three, uh, 31 Cross prayers. Now, these books have been uh, put together uh, in order for you to be able to learn this cross message. Okay. And you can get them. I, we got them as a three pack. You get a, I think a 20% discount if you buy all three of them. In fact, Sister Madeline just bought all three of them. Uh, let me tell you again, if, if, if the Holy Spirit is really working in your life, it's going to be known and that you're you're going to be learning how to lay down your life in this world, to be crucified with Christ, to be dead and buried with Christ and raised up by Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. You know, talk is cheap, folks. If you don't have the cross in your life, you either don't know Jesus or you're definitely not growing in Christ and you're in jeopardy. Verse 11, 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And here's why. The cross, the death and burial, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. That's how ministry works right there. When death and burial is working in us and Christ is raising us up and his power is teeming in us, it's like uh, our cup is running over and other people are being saved. They're being edified. They're being fed. Uh, they're being built up, edified in Christ through the life of Christ, working through you as you are crucified with him and raised up by him. Okay, so let's close this message by ending in Romans chapter 6. I want you to read that 
whole chapter this week, every single morning. It's going to change your life, beloved. First two verses, he speaks about the necessity of not living in sin. Notice what he says. He asks a rhetorical question. And then in the next ensuing verses, he gives us the only divine prescription to not living in sin. Notice, what shall we? Well, let me do this. Let me say this about the end of the chapter. Okay, as an overview, first he tells us we can't live in sin and still be saved by the grace of God. Then he gives us the solution, beginning in verse 3. And then at the end of this chapter, he says in verse 22 and 23, but now being made free from sin, how has that happened? Through the blood of Christ's cross and through the daily cross applied in your life, the crucified life. But now being made free from sin, that must mean we can be made free from sin, doesn't it? So many people make more excuses from for sin that can be, it's incalculable. And some of these same people swear they believe in the saving grace of God, but yet they don't believe that God, by his divine enablement, his grace, can cause us to overcome all sin. Wow. Where is their faith? They have more faith in sin and living in sin than they do in God. I wonder if they're really saved. Where is their faith? It's not in God. Jesus said, have faith in God. Do you have more faith in your sin than you do the Savior? So Jesus commanded you to be holy as he is holy, yet he doesn't give you the grace to do it? That's another Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. But now being made free from sin, is that your desire? Paul said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all, 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 all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Are you crying out to God that you can perfect holiness in the fear of God? Or do you have so much damnable unbelief that you can't even pray that prayer? It's time for you to have a fresh come to Jesus meeting to repent afresh and declare that God is able to give you the absolute victory in Christ as you do things his way. And that is the way of the cross. Amen. The way of the blood of his cross to be freshly cleansed so that you can walk in the light as he is in the light. You can have fellowship with him and the father. And the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, can cleanse you from all sin on a perpetual basis. Amen. And that you can have the overcoming grace of God, the resurrection life of Christ, raising you up out of that crucified posture. Amen. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, that is, instead of sin, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Notice how the cross is directly linked here to the fruit of holiness and everlasting life. You're not going to be in heaven, friend, if you're not doing things God's way. And God's way is the crucified life. Then he ends the chapter by saying the wages of sin is death. He didn't say the wages of sin or that which you're going to reap from sinning is death only in the life of those who weren't initially saved. No mention of such. If you die in sin, you're going to hell. The whole Bible teaches that. The last time sin was found in heaven, God kicked it out. Lucifer, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, Jesus himself said that Lucifer or the devil was kicked out of heaven. Luke 10, 18. How, how do you think you're going to go to heaven living in sin? When any time it was found in heaven, God kicked it out and he's unchanging. When Jesus uh, was the, when the reality of one of his own 12 was that he had iniquity in his heart, Judas, uh, he was eliminated. God doesn't coexist with sin. He's not going to co. God didn't change his divine immutable nature all because he saved little old you or me. Habakkuk 1.13, Habakkuk 1.13, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. Psalm chapter 5, verse 4, for thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. I'm sorry, does that need any explanation? 
no one living in evil, no one who dies in sin is going to dwell with the Almighty who is holy, holy, holy. In fact, Revelation 21.8 and several other places there, he talks about the exact classes of sinners who are, who don't overcome, who don't live a crucified life after being saved. And uh, they don't overcome. They don't inherit all things. Revelation 21, 7. Uh, they will not be his sons in eternity. Uh, but they're going to be where? They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Who is it? The fearful. That is, those that are timid. Those who are cowardly. Those who are unbelieving. Uh, undecided. Un next one, unbelieving. The abominable. That includes all homosexuals. Because sodomy is an abomination to God, Leviticus 18.22. The mur and murderers, anybody who hates and doesn't forgive is a murderer in the eyes of God. Whoremongers, those searching to have sex with a woman they're not married to. Sorcerers, that's all forms of witchcraft. And pharmakia, uh, all those that are working to concoct uh, bioweapons against humanity and administering them at any level. Idolaters, though, first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. The second one, you shall not make unto yourself any graven image of anything in heaven or on earth and bow down to them. Every Catholic is an absolute hellbound idolater. And anybody else who has any little idol figurine or anything they look to except uh, other than the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father. Jesus said, they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, from your heart and a spontaneous love to God who is holy, 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 and he is a spirit. And they that worship him must do it in spirit and in truth. In other words, from your heart via the truth of God's word. John 4, 23 and 24. All, notice all, not some, all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So God is holy, holy, holy. Uh, Revelation 4, 8, uh, Isaiah 6, 3. And he said, be ye holy, for I am holy. First uh, Peter 1, 15 and 16. So as we close, Romans 6, God says you can't live in sin and still be saved by the grace of God, which is the only way. Anybody can be saved, verse 1 and 2. Then he says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, we were immersed into Christ and his body, were baptized unto his, into his death. See, we were, we were brought into Christ and baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ saved us, so we could be crucified with him, in other words. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We're going to be raised up, resurrected with him in the end, but only if we're crucified with him now. That cannot be denied. It's irrefutable in this passage. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of what? His death. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Notice if it's a condition. It's only if we practically, not just positionally, but practically live out and walk in newness of life, verse 4, and are planted together in the likeness of his death, that we are going to be raised up in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old, our old man, there it is again, old man is crucified with him. That old iniquitous fallen nature, that inherent sinful nature. Uh, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. It's still there, but it must be crucified that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth or from now on we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Notice, he that is dead is freed from sin. See, if you're listening to me and you're not free from living in sin and committing sin mentally in your mind, in your heart, or in action, your transgression of actually doing it, it's because you're not dead. You're not crucified with Christ. That should be a clue to 
the, the key, the absolute solution to your sin. Friend, your need, your, the need that you have now is not to go find a good church, not to self-actualize and to rise up and to soar and to soak and all this foolish, these lies. Your, your need is to die, to say, Lord, I am dead from this moment on. I'm going to learn that cross because you're going to teach me. I, I thank you, Lord, for teaching me, for anointing me with your spirit to the death and burial of self, that Christ and Christ alone may reign in my life. And I know you're going to raise me up in your glory and in your grace, Lord. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me in the life which I now, now, now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Lord, I declare with the Apostle Paul that I determined not to know anything in this world except Christ and him crucified. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, uh, edifying podcast on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with uh, uh, several, many books on there for your uh, edification in Christ. They're all scripture rich and Christ centered. Also tens of thousands uh, of saints and sinners are being reached every month. And uh, your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit uh, our donate page on the site. And uh, uh, you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach uh, is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and uh, all over the world. And uh, may God be praised that uh, there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together, in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.